0: Good morning. Thank you for making the Morning KLH part of your morning. We appreciate that. Dave and Doreen, along with Marcus, time to talk to our Green and Gold Insider, three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, co-host of Wildy and Tausch on ESPN Radio. Jason Wildy. Good morning, Jason. How are you doing today? Great. Okay, so tell me what your biggest takeaway was of the
1: game. So, all right, so let me start here. So once upon a time, I once got very, very angry with Michelle Tafoya, who was the sideline reporter for? I think at the time she was doing Monday Night Football before she started doing Sunday Night Football, and the, it was during the 2004 season. And nobody holds a grudge like Jason Wilby. I got something. <laughs> uh, and so the Packers started that year one and four, and I'll I'll never forget they were playing the St. Louis Rams prime time, and she does this thing before the before the start of the game, and she holds up a couple of copies of local newspapers and says, even in Green Bay, where the local media normally cheers for the home team, uh, things were getting pretty ugly when the Packers Ooh. started 1-4, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And that really ticked me off, because it's not my job to root, root, root for the home team. That is not my job. My job is to tell people the truth, good, bad, ugly, and try and give them a glimpse behind the curtain of what is happening with the football team that I cover every year. And so that really made me angry. And as luck would have it, like, two years later, because, again, nobody holds a grudge like me, (laughs) she happened to be on the same flight as me. And as we were deplaning, I introduced myself, and I said, hey, Michelle, this is going to sound crazy. I know it's a long time ago, but I just want you to understand, like, we're not a bunch of rubes in Green Bay, like – we're professionals and we don't root for the home team. We're we're there to tell the truth and she said, Oh, don't tell me that your job's instead of apologizing, this is why I really don't like her, mm-hmm. instead of saying, Yeah, I can understand why that would bother you, it was, Oh, don't tell me that your job's not easier when the team is winning I said, That's not the point. Like right. it's more fun to cover. It's more interesting. Like if they if right now instead of six and six they were three and nine these conversations with you guys would be a hell of a lot different. Right. So mm-hmm. it right. Is, it's a great story. I mean, this is a great story, but it's not my I'm not a fan. I don't, my, my week is no different in terms of my personal happiness, whether they win or they lose. And so what I am enjoying, Michelle, because I know you're listening, um, <laughs> what I am enjoying is how unexpected this is. Right? Like somebody asked me last night, is this the most surprising season that you've covered after they beat the Chiefs with Taylor Swift in the house and now have won back to back games against first place teams? Right? right? Thanksgiving yeah. over the Lions, now this. And I said, the only poss- other possibility that I think it has to surpass by like creating a playoff run or something like that is 2007. When I made plans to get engaged to Paula in San Francisco on Super Bowl weekend, and I made those plans in August, thinking, well, they went eight and eight this year in in Mike McCarthy's first year. I think they're headed in the right direction. I bet they'll make the playoffs, but there's no way they're going to the Super Bowl. And then there I am sitting in the press box in January of 2008 <laughs> with the Packers playing at home for a trip to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game, uh, which fortunately, thanks to Brett Favre, they did not win and we were able to go get engaged in San Francisco <laughs> and surprise Paula. But and the bottom line is, this is great. This is absolutely great.
0: And they did this without arguably their best player, Aaron Jones, mm-hmm. which is even more spectacular.
1: And without Luke Musgrave. Right, right. was playing really well. And then he lacerated his kidney of all things. And so, yeah, it's it, it is incredibly unexpected. And and what was really interesting, other than me, I feel like being on the verge of getting Matt Lafleur to do his Jim Mora playoffs. Mm-hmm. Playoffs <laughs> until we won a game. Imitation, <laughs> which he claims is very good, and he thought about it long and hard. Uh, and then he said, later, we'll do it later, which was disappointing to me. But what was what is incredible, so right now, if the season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs. They'd be the seventh seed, which is wild to me. But what I think has caused all this, more than anything else, is not just the, the fact that Jordan and all these young offensive guys have grown the way they have and improved and know what the heck they're doing. But Matt LaFleur basically admitted that he didn't trust them to not screw up, and why should he have, right? Based on what he, what those guys were, the mistakes they were making, running the. I mean, we're still seeing it. Like last, uh, on Thanksgiving, you know, the unbelievable touchdown pass that Jaden Reed has created because Christian Watson runs the wrong way. Right. Like he's not supposed to do that. So those those things are still happening. And yet before, eventually just said, look. You know, I can't tell Jordan Love, hey, let it rip, and then be giving him all these kind of high-percentage short passes and hope that we can dink and dunk our way down the field. And what's amazing to me is that it was in Pittsburgh, which I remember talking to you guys that Monday after that game, and I remember saying, look, this looked different, Mm -hmm. right? Jordan threw the ball down the field. They took some chances. And even though they lost, and we were told there are no moral victories, this was a meaningful step forward. And Lafleur admitted that that was when, quote, it just felt different. And the fact that he's given these guys opportunities to succeed or fail, you're seeing guys that are running wide open over the last four games, which you did not see during the first half of the season. You see guys making plays, Christian Watson going up over a dude and catching a touchdown. Right. I just, uh, it's really amazing to see this turnaround.
0: Okay, speaking of Christian Watson, he gets healthy,
1: he gets in these games, he makes some really good plays, and then he leaves in the fourth quarter yesterday. Is it a hamstring injury? It's frustrating the amount of injuries that are
0: happening. So now now what? If he's out again?
1: Especially with him, right? I mean, this is now the third time uh, at the end of a game where he makes some sort of play or, or is the intended receiver, And then he's injured, right? There was, I think it was Denver where he hurt his knee. And it looked like, I swear, he, you know, I am very melodramatic. Uh, I I understand that. That is my, part of my brand, as uh, Paula would say. But, like, you thought in that Denver game when he left the field with his knee injury, you thought he was, like, he had torn his ACL. He was done for the season. Mm -hmm. Turned out he's fine. Uh, Then there was the thing, I can't remember which home game it was, where he, like, lands hard late in the game and they announced that he's got chest back and head injuries and then he played the next week. So I don't know if he's, you know, a little bit like the um, like the leg lamp in a Christmas story <laughs> for a GLA., or yeah. what the deal is. But okay. he's, uh, he, that was, uh, this looked, you know, I've never seen a guy go down to give himself up by kneeling to, to, to stay in bounds and, and keep the clock running. I've never seen anybody get hurt on a play like that. And he immediately grabbed his right hamstring. That is the hamstring that was an issue uh, early in the season. He did talk after the game, which is a slightly encouraging sign. Because a lot of times, guys that are seriously injured don't talk at all. Um, But, yeah, there's a chance that he's at least had enough of a setback with that hamstring that he won't be able to play Monday night in New York against the Giants. Jason, do you think that the Packers mentally won this game with the opening drive going half of the first quarter and scoring a touchdown on Kansas City? Yeah, I don't, Marcus, I don't know if they won it mentally, but it's interesting that now they've, they've kind of got this. I mean, rem, again, it's crazy to think back to the, some of the stuff we talked about. Like, they went five straight games without scoring a first-half touchdown.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Five games in a row, and now we want the ball and we're going to score, as Matt Hasselbeck basically yeah. said. Uh, and, and they go down in Detroit and set the tone. They win the toss. They say, we're taking the ball. And they go down the field and score, set the tone there. They end up scoring three first 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 quarter touchdowns. And to that point in the season, they'd scored two all year in the first quarter. And that, you know the Chiefs win the toss. They defer because that's what all teams do because they try to double up getting the, keeping the ball for the last possession of the first half and then getting the ball to start the second half, the Packers go right down the field. I, it was a weird game. LaFleur said it too. Like we got to the end of the first quarter and each team had had the ball once mm-hmm. and the Packers had scored a touchdown and the chiefs had kicked the field goal on the last play of the first quarter. And I was like, wow, that's wild. And so, uh, yeah, I do think it's set a tone Marcus, no doubt about it, but like these are the defending champs. Like they don't, they don't. Blink just because you went down and scored a touchdown. They, they the Packers had to earn it. They did not. Uh, they did not have a psychological advantage. They just. I think they did. The message that they did send, Marcus, was uh, we ain't scared of no defending mm-hmm. champs. We ain't afraid of no ghosts.
0: So you think that was a makeup call? The lack of call. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Owens called for unnecessary roughness on that Patrick Mahomes thing. That was a bad call, but uh, not as bad as the one where Carrington Valentine was. Draped over MVS. Is there such a thing as a makeup call?
1: Uh, sure looks like it. Um, now, I did turn to Jim Polsey and our column at the State Journal and say, well, Carrington Valentine didn't really have to interfere with him anyways. MVS, he probably was not going to catch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was not very nice. No. I'm sorry. That was mean. Uh, but, yeah, I, it, that, that's the only way to describe it. Like it. it he was there so early. Like, usually when the TV broadcast slows it down on, an, on a pass interference possible penalty, you know, it's like, well, yeah, but mm-hmm. it's, they're calling it in real time, and it's not moving that. This was not even close to that. Like, he was, in real time, I was like, oh, my God, he just interfered with him. Right. And then I, like, looked around for the flag, and there was none. And there had been a play earlier in the fourth quarter where the the far away official, who made the right call, by the way, this time he he made the right call, but he was really far away. He had to throw his flag about the distance of, like, a Jordan Love deep ball. And the guy that was right on top of the play did not throw the flag. And the guy far away, who had a better angle on the actual interference, threw the flag from, you know, 30 yards away. I, I I was looking around like, where's the flag? Oh, my God, are they not calling pass interference there? And lo and behold... They didn't. So yes, it was a. I thought that it was a, a, a the wrong call. You know, Patrick Mahomes took the risk of staying in bounds as long as he did. Uh, Jonathan Owens hit him. He was still he still had a foot in bounds. So right. that should have been a legal play. Uh, so that they got hosed on that. But then obviously the officials uh, did indeed make it up to them later. All right. So did you know ahead of time, or did this? Who knew ahead of time that Taylor was going to be there? I have to know. So I had a couple of people tell me that she was coming um, and then I did not realize uh, that she was like, like there were people like tracking her flight and oh stuff like God. we do a, we do a pregame show on our stations. So I was focused on that, freezing my tail off outside for an hour. And then somebody told me her plane had landed as I was finishing up. So now I will admit uh, she was on the seventh floor, which I had a feeling she would be because uh, LaFleur's family's suite is up there. There's a couple of other priority suites that are up there. And we're on the seventh floor. So I did, like, eat my dinner <laughs> and sit uh, out in the hallway <laughs> for an hour and 15 minutes. Awesome. On the off chance that they would bring, and there was another dad, too, who did it, uh, another reporter who did it, just on the off chance that, she would, that they would bring her up. Now, it turned out she was in a suite directly across from us, on the seventh floor okay. uh, above Reggie White's name, so she never did come through where I was. And I was not in the stadium yet when she went through. But I will say this, we were doing the pregame show, and two ambulances, I'm not sure if one of them was a bell ambulance or not, but <laughs> they, went, they went in in like succession with their lights going slowly through the crowd into the loading dock. And she that's where she entered from was the loading dock and as the, the there's like they didn't go help somebody they weren't going to the hospital and I turned to one of my buddies and I said I think she's probably being brought in through one of those. yeah yeah and I swear to God that's what they did. So I don't know if Lombardo was involved or not, but it was really <laughs>
0: impressive. I'm sure he was I wouldn't even in some way I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I'm sure. And today, she's got all kinds of bell ambulance pens, yes. notepads, right. yep, and, and the say, I, and the comfort I quilt, a scratch paper. Yeah. So I, I, I need some. All right, Jace, Thanks for the insight. We'll talk later in the week about the Giants game. Appreciate it. All
1: right, this was fun, guys. Take care. Be good.
0: You too, Jason Wilde, our Green and Gold Insider co-host William Tosh and ESPN and is brought to you today by uh, Mr. Holland's Home Services. Call them up, 866-992-1717 or mrhollandshomeservices.com. Also brought to you by DJ's Transmissions and Milwaukee Muscle Cars and Restoration. Buying vintage rides and muscle cars. Visit djstransmissions.com. Jason Wilde, part of the Morning KLH.